When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things at Manchester United. I'm your host, Imran. And I'm Ashwin. Yep, back with another special Indian Hour for you. Uh, that's what you get <laughs> on the eve of the World Cup. We only bring out this special edition podcast at the specialist of times. Um, we've got a lot to cover, actually, in this podcast. We'll go talk about the Fulham game. Uh, there's obviously the Ronaldo stuff, which we unfortunately have to talk about. And then we might do a little bit of World Cup previewing, as we've got an Englishman and an American here, so we can talk a bit about that there'll be no time to talk about england's magnificent t20 world cup win but you know that yeah, can we, be this bit here we don't talk that can about be the, that we don't talk yeah about that. that can be right now there you go <laughs> magnificent win um so yes uh united won 2-1 at fulham um gets takes into the break people keep saying mid-season break it's actually like a third season break uh there's actually yeah. a lot of football still to go um so it's not i think we played like f- f- 16 games or something like that 15 in the league so it's quite a lot of games to go. It's not quite halfway, but yeah, it it, it signed off in a good way with Ganacho winning the game right at the end. It could have been a could have been really. I was just thinking on the way into injury time, like if we don't score and we go into the break with a one-all draw against Fulham, that's like a long month. Mm-hmm. But that one goal makes it all a lot better, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Um, I I hate this break. Like I hate that it's happening at the moment it's happening because it feels as if like i mean i guess well there's, there's the ronaldo of it all but forgetting that for right now just uh it, it does feel like the squad is coming together and uh you know especially like with garnacho coming on I, it's a ter- i feel like it's the worst time break for him especially because it feels like there's some real momentum for him and the squad in general and it just feels like a very annoying time uh, for this break to come up for us, um, the other part being, that good. I don't, I don't know if I agree. Actually, I think there's definitely teams who would be like Arsenal, for instance. Terrible time for them to have a break when you're on that yeah. sort of form. Well, I'm not sure. I think it's an okay time. Ganacho, yeah, he's hitting form, but also it gives him. A, he's not going to the World Cup or anything. It gives him a lot of time to work with Ten Hag. Um, we know Ten Hag's been a bit critical openly about his attitude. Like you'd think, okay, it's a good month to solid uh, get. Work down, what work down? It's another month to knuckle down and you know work hard and stuff with with Ten Hag, and he can have that a lot more hands-on coaching, I guess, because a lot less players within the, the camp. And also in terms of the Ronaldo thing, it actually gives us a month without him, stinking up our forward line, and then hmm. we might hmm. be able to actually buy a striker in January a lot sooner than we would be if we had all these games between now and January. So I don't think it's the worst time for us. And it's not like we're in, we're in blistering form or anything. We we'll just in, beat Fulham. Yeah, we're not in blistering form or anything. But I do think that like there is something building there. I mean, what, we had only lost once in our last however many matches. Mm. Um, and, I mean, that was the Villa match, which is just a weird... I mean, that was... You guys talked about it. It was just... That was probably the worst Ten Hag match, probably. Um, but, like... I don't know. Uh, Brentford four 0 is hard to beat. <laughs> it is, but that's not. That wasn't like so much about the team selection, right? Like there wasn't so many issues with teams. That was, you know, what what are you going to do if De Gea gives away two goals and then you're 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 automatically starting from way behind? But I think like since in this most recent run, you know, since that point, it felt like the one match where he picked a team that you were just like, yeah, I, I don't know what what we could have possibly expected here other than this, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily the worst time. I just think that, like, when you are starting... Like, even in this Fulham match, right? We didn't dominate it. I thought in the second half especially, they came onto us, and defensively we were, I want to say, all over the place. But I, I think it was less so much that we were bad defensively and more that we were just very sloppy in possession, um, which created problems for us defensively. But, like, you know, it, that was a match where we actually created a lot of chances. Um Obviously, we only scored twice, which was enough. But uh, it's 
like we've seen more matches recently where we're creating chances. And obviously we have not found form in front of goal yet. But like when you're starting to create chances, that's I think a really good sign. And I think it's it's not again, it's not the worst you're right. It's not the worst time. But it is frustrating because you're you feel like, you know, are you going to be able to generate the same type of chances and have the same cohesiveness when everybody comes back to the World Cup. At the, like, t- to your point, though, I mean, that's something that every team is going to be dealing with. Right? Mm. It's not just United. So um, we'll see. I mean, I, I I do think, like, you know, there's also just the fact that Martial hopefully won't get hurt uh, in, the, in the interim time. You, ne- you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, Rashford, Anthony, like especially in the attacking ranks, I think that's where we really well, can't Ma- afford to lose. not going to the World Cup at least, but that still yeah. doesn't uh, that still doesn't escape him getting hurt. You get hurt walking down the street, Marshall. Right. But um, right. I think I just think on the on the league table of best time for a break and worst time for a break, and we're somewhere in the middle. I think mm-hmm. like we're not asked on Newcastle really. You just want to keep that momentum. Oh, yeah. we're not for, che- for Newcastle, we're not, it's the worst. It's yeah, the worst but we're not we're not Chelsea either. Where the break is probably coming at a great time for them to to work with Potter and get all these ideas maybe and just take a break from shit football. But yeah, we did get the three points against Fulham. Ten Hag was um, going on about how important this game was for us to get that win and we did get it right at the end. Um, Like you said, not a game we dominated. Uh, First half, we should have been two or three up, it's fair to say. Um, Ericsson did score the goal but also had a great chance at the end. Martial had a couple um, and it's really a kind of game where you think if that's 2-0 going into the break, you don't see a way back for Fulham, but 1-0 obviously gave them the impetus to get back into the game, and we kind of let them by being so open. Um, just on the lineups, the only real big thing here was Lindelof starting ahead of Maguire and uh, Malassia playing at right-back when he's obviously a left-back. Um, other than that, pretty much expected team. Um, okay, you have Ilanga at right wing, but our right wing options are fairly limited, and you can see why he actually didn't start Ganacho because you can bring him off the bench to do that sort of thing. And plus, if you put either him or Rashford on the right, it limits them a bit. Not that Rashford had a great game on left or anything, but I, I, I can see why he's picking Alanga there. Um, did you have any problems with any of those things? No, I thought I thought Alanga was, you know, he was Alanga. Like, he wasn't, he's exactly what I expected him to be. Not particularly great, not particularly dangerous, but... Um, and, and he absolutely he didn't do a great job protecting Malasia, who I thought had a pretty rough go with it because William apparently turned back the clock. Um, but you know, I like all you're asking for really is like an honest effort, you know. And and I'm, you can't expect too much more than that from him. And that's you know ultimately that's why like I think within a year or two, Alonso will probably not be at United anymore. But for what you needed in this match, I I was fine with it, and I also like, you know, I think, I think there's value in keeping some firepower on the bench, which obviously paid off in the end, because like you want the ability to af- to really change a match and hmm. and and give yourself um, options off the bench versus purely just okay, I have to play my you know, all my best attackers right now. And if you think about it, if we had started Garnacho, right, that would have meant Rashford plays on the right or Garnacho plays on the right. Neither of them is as effective in those positions. So, like, it, it just, I think it makes complete sense. I was fine with it. And, um, you know, I think also to some extent we've seen Ten Hag be very, he's not been effusive in his praise of Garnacho publicly. I think there's obviously, like, there's always all these reports about he was, kind of late for a bunch of meetings during preseason and all that stuff. So I think it's about, you know, keeping him mm. grounded. So I do think, like, there's some of that going on at play, too, where it's like, yeah, like, you're great. You're doing great for us, but you're coming off the bench, bud. I do. I, I also kind of like it in the sense that you, you play Ganache from the start, like, it gives their fullback a, a chance to, like, size him up mm-hmm. over 90 mm-hmm. minutes. And we saw him start against Villa, and he wasn't probably his... Uh, least impactful play for us. Obviously there's a lot more factors going into that. It was just a bad team performance on the day. But yeah, you give their you give their fullback a from the first minute to kind of size him up, get the better of him, put some kicks in there, and when they're both fresh, where you bring bring him off the bench and he starts running him straight away against a tired defender, it's a, it's a lot more of a challenge for him. And I think that's where we saw against Villa, Ganacho really shone there coming on against tied legs and here again coming against tied legs. Doesn't give the it doesn't it just puts him straight into the thrust of the game, doesn't give the defender much chance to size him up and 
his panic stations are ready for them. And uh, kind of as soon as he got the ball, he just started running at them, and it it, it paid the difference in the end. Um, one, one thing I would say about Alanga is at least he does offer pace, and mm-hmm. it, it does kind of make them worry a bit down that right. Um, not that he's quality or anything uh, I mean, shines he, he, through, but he, 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 he a... is some sort of threat where yeah. you can just bang a ball onto that, over to that side of the pitch, and they're sort of worried about him running in behind. Yeah, and he he made a run uh, at the start of the second half where he got in behind, he got a shot which rebounded, went right to Rashford. Rashford, I mean, you could say he's unlucky or he should finish it, whatever. But that it was it was a good opportunity, but it happened because Elanga made a run and and put a shot on target. So, um, like 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 again, is he perfect and is he going to be a long term player for us or solution to anything? Probably not. But you're not. Like you're in a position right now where you just need some guys to come in and eat minutes, um, and give you something, and he did that. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, I I think, I think there are people that I've seen just be like overly critical of him, and it's like if you kind of just expect, we just need to have realistic expectations expectations of him. He he's not going to be a first team player, I don't think. So no. once you realize that you're just using him as a squad player for right now because of the limitations of the squad that Ten Hag inherited. I think it's fine. And like, you know, he's he's an honest player. He gives you good effort and that's all you can ask for, especially from these um academy players that are being asked to step up, you know, in in a moment of need. Yeah, and um quickly on Malasia, uh, obviously playing out of position and probably played about as well as you could expect a young left back to play at right back to do. It did kind of show how important Dallow is. Mm-hmm to us and I've been saying this I I think Shaw and Delaware are are massively integral to how we build our play Uh, the fact is that most any time we built in this game mostly came down our left hand side because Shaw starts it and they are their like calmness on the ball their technique they're actually like both they're they're decent on the ball and it kind of just pushes us up the field and it but a lot of our attacks start from those positions so I think we did miss Delo in that regard. Also, defensively, Delo is very good, or become, starting to become very good, and we did have a bit of a tough time, as you said, down that side. Um, but yeah, like I said, we dominated the first half mainly. Um, got the goal through Ericsson after a Bruno deflected assist, but it was a good win in the middle from Casemiro, and Ericsson got his first goal for the club, which was very nice to see. Very wholesome moment. I don't think anyone had a had nothing but a smile on the face when saw Ericsson scoring. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a good goal, I thought, too. He worked it well. I think, what, Casemiro won the ball, um, and then goes to Bruno. Bruno plays it to, you know... I, Went I, to Martial. Martial played yeah. it to Bruno. Bruno played it across. Yeah, and I, I I, think Bruno was shooting it. I'm pretty sure he was shooting it, but... You look, no, he was pass- I think he was passing, I think. think so? just a, a, yeah. a, actually, I don't know, because the deflection was quite big, so maybe he was shooting. Who it, knows? it looked like one of those like cross-shot type of things where you're just like, I'll just put it in the area, and let's see what happens. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a good movement and yeah, I mean, it was, it was like Erickson has been in and around the area for goals. So it was just nice to see him get one finally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just thought that I thought we played very well to start the match. Um, and I thought that goal was, was probably, I mean, it was just about deserved. Um, and then like, you know, the, the better part of the goal too I think is that like, and of course, of course, we didn't score again. But I thought we actually played really well after the goal. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. like we scored the goal and then we just sat back and you know were in a shell. But we were going forward. We were attacking. We were creating chances. Marshall probably should have at least bagged one. Um, but like you know, that's the type of momentum you want to see because we've seen far too often before where it's like you score a goal and you think, okay, now let's kick on in this match and it doesn't happen. Right. And so to see that, um, especially cause I don't think we've been scoring. I mean, we haven't been scoring a lot to begin with, but we also haven't scored early very often. So to kind of see like, okay, score early. And now we keep going. I thought that was encouraging also. Mm. Yeah. Deserved. And then like I said, Ericsson probably should have got another right at the end of the half. And that really would have killed the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, second half started and then Fulham really got back into it. Um, I don't know whether that's just they had the impetus or we dropped off a bit. Um, it just felt like we got a bit sloppy in possession, to be honest with you. Um, and especially like there, there wasn't a lot of movement really going on. I think the commentators picked up at one point that 
Miss Martinez and Casemiro both had the ball between them and just no one was moving ahead of them and then just one of them lumped it because not really much was going on. But they got back into it. James coming on with his pace helped them. Um, and he got the goal, obviously. Um, I think when he, he played for Leeds against us, he got an assist and now he's got a goal. His first goal for Fulham because, you know, people have to raise the game against us when they used to play for us. But it's fine. You know, we won the game. Who cares? Mm. Um <sighs> The goal kind of comes about because Bruno keeps the ball in play. I'm not, I'm not going to be too harsh on him there. Like he's trying to keep the ball in play, trying to keep good things going. Marcia's yeah, I saw, I saw people criticizing Malasia for that too, and I just think like he is running up there because he thinks Bruno is going to keep it in. He's trying to give him support. People are like, mm, oh, he's out of yeah. position. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can kind of understand it, but I just think it's sometimes it's just weird shit happens, and like that yeah. was one of those. You know, I, I think even in the, in our in our Discord, I was like, "What the hell is Bruno doing?" But then, like, you watch it back, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah he's keeping the ball in play." Yeah, it? it's, you know, like, yeah, it happens. It's a lot of it's a lot of things that there's a lot of things about the goal that both aren't great, but they're not like the worst offense in the world. Like even like Lindelof coming across to block the cross, he's a bit slow. He, he doesn't make himself very big. Um, makes the cross coming in easier. Shaw's not really done a great job tracking De Gea. I'm not actually not even a save really. If he's maybe down at his feet, he blocks. Yeah. Like if he's like making himself bigger at the feet, he blocks it. None of it's particularly great, but I don't think any of it's heinous crimes. So yeah, sometimes sometimes you just concede. Like that, yeah. it is what it is. Like I don't know. Like I that was not a goal where I like watched it back and I'm like, oh my god, look at this horrendous thing that occurred. It was just like like you mentioned. It's like yeah. I mean, could you say this could be better? That could be better. This could yeah, of course. But like it's mostly just that all of that came together in one exact precise moment that you conceded it wasn't because you know there was some huge error on our part yeah and then they really were on top then after that mm. james was actually causing a bit of problems with his pace thankfully his final delivery is shit um what I did you think of uh, what did you think of mctominay's header from the 18 yard 18 yard line well, i was going to get to that but you mean his face <laughs> it wasn't even a header it just hit him in the face didn't it uh, terrible miss um our headers are either really good or really shit there's no that no one in between um but yeah mctominay came on actually the thing the sad thing about that was he played a cracking pass at the beginning of that move yeah he did and then made the run all the way into the box and you think if he scored that that's a brilliant goal that like is a lot down to him but yeah terrible um i was actually going to ask you how you thought martinez acquitted himself against james because I mean, I'm not even remotely going to blame him for not keeping pace with Dan James because, you know, how can you? I don't expect many people in the apartment, maybe Cal Walker, to keep pace with Dan James. But I actually thought he did all right. Like, he acquitted himself quite well against, like, raw pace. And we know pace isn't his strong point, but he still had that great determination that we come to see about him. Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, I thought he was okay. Like, I didn't... You're, you're, if you're committing numbers forward and you leave space in behind, we know the one thing Dan James can do is can can take like take carry the ball into space um i didn't think he had a particularly like he created one chance which i think lindelof put out of touch uh for a corner but other than that i mean look he scored the goal it I, that wasn't really on martinez to me i don't i think that like you mentioned like that was way more on shaw but even then it's just like again it, it's a the ball comes into a dangerous area it's also in that weird area between your back line and the goalie so you're like it's kind of an uncomfortable position to be in. I don't really put blame on anybody for that too much. Um, and then other than that, I, yeah, I thought I thought Martinez was fine. Like, yeah, he struggled a bit with his pace, but, you know, he's rapid. And if you leave space in behind and you're committing numbers forward and your left back is up, you know, he's he's caught up the field, so you're one-on-one, -on -one, yeah, like you're going to – you might have to force him out wide and give him that space, and I think that's generally what he did. But I didn't I didn't feel like – Dan James was singularly causing us problems. I just thought, I thought we were really bad in possession. Um, I thought, and it was, it was. I, I would love to just blame it on one person or two people, but I thought it was like a collective lack of preciseness, um, especially midfield. Like I thought, I thought Casemiro was really sloppy in the second half. I thought Erickson was sloppy. Bruno was Brunoing. Um, yeah, I mean, once Bruno went out to the right wing, that kind of changed it for us a lot. Yeah, I don't um, like it. Like I, and I get why he want he made a change. Like I, I get like if you're trying to make a change, that that's a reasonable one. I just re I really don't like Bruno on the right. I don't think he plays great there. And I and more than that, I think it totally nullifies us as an attacking threat in a lot of ways because we just don't have creativity 
where we don't have that drive in the center of the in the center of the pitch, and I think that's a really big problem. I know, you know, yes, McTominay did play like you're right. He played a great pass. Probably should have scored a header. And if he does that, maybe I'm saying something entirely different. But I think we've seen in, we've seen a few matches now where he moves Bruno to the right, and you know, look, he he puts in the work there. Uh, uh, he he tracks back. He he definitely works. But like as a, a how it impacts us overall, I, I don't particularly like it. I I don't I don't feel great about it. Um, so I don't know. I, I get like again, this this is kind of like what you have to do when you don't have quality and depth that you would ideally like to have but um you know if there's a way to avoid that and maybe it's as simple as anthony gets healthy and after the world cup and he comes back and maybe it's that simple um but yeah like in in the in the intermediate time i get it i just don't particularly love it Mm. we're gonna take a quick break now and then when we get back we'll talk about the the ganacho show at the end Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Um, so yeah, this game actually, honestly, when it was counting down, I f- did feel like it was petering out to a one-all draw. I, you know, you get the you get the sensing games that we're actually are going to score here, but mm. I was not getting that sense at all from this game. I don't know about you. Um, and then it kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, the goal we were building from the left. Ericsson ran forward. Great one too with Ganacho. Lovely pass from Ericsson. But even then, Ganacho to actually get on that ball. So incredible skip speed. He had like a jetpack on him or something and. A great finish. Genuinely came out of nowhere. Lost my mind. How good a goal was that? thought it was a great goal. Um, it was an interesting goal, too, because I didn't think... When Ericsson played the pass in first time, I was like, that, it's too far. Like, it, it's, you know, it's either going to go out of touch or goalie's going to come out and get it or the defender's going to touch it out first. Like, I, I didn't think he was going to get there. But he's just so fast. Like he's just so rapid, and he made he made up the yards. It was kind of stunning to see. Um, it was, and then I mean the look first time finish, left foot across his body. I thought it was great. Thought it was a great, great goal, great finish. Obviously, a great moment for us. Uh, and I actually thought he did well in the initial buildup to even just keep not just keep the ball in, but take his first touch forward so he could run onto it and keep the pressure on. Uh, keep the momentum going because he's like he receives the ball basically on the touchline you know it's literally his he, he's standing on the touchline any type of shaky touch there it slows the entire move down or maybe it just goes out of play so I thought Garnacho did well on both accounts obviously finishing the goal and then obviously just keeping it in um, so I thought that was that was really really good and I I think it's a, it says a lot that he had the confidence there to just take the shot because if you watch it back, Rashford is like he's on the six yard line basically, like he's there for a cutback. And I can just imagine if he takes that shot, he misses it. You know, Rashford's going to be losing his mind. Uh, maybe, and I think Bruno is actually like in a pretty decent spot too, where he's like following up on the on the far side of the uh, of the goal essentially. So. Not just the fact that he got into the position, but the execution and then the confidence to even take it says a lot about him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it's it's the best possible way to go into this break, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it really changed the whole mood around the break, um, going in with that three oh, points. I was going to be miserable. Rate. I was going to be so miserable if we dropped points because Chelsea lose, right? Liverpool. So Chelsea is, I think they're on 21 points now. Um Liverpool have started to be good again. Uh, so, like, they had won, and if you draw there, you're only two ahead of them, and then you're, you've are you lost even more ground to Newcastle, who just apparently are the best team in the entire world. Uh, Spurs came back. They won 4-3. Like, so you have some of these results going against you or creating pressure. So to to get all three points at the very end is, yeah, it's fucking awesome. 
Yeah, it really does change the whole. <laughs> change the whole. It changes the, It changes everything really. Just that one goal. Uh, I think we the whole podcast sounded a lot different if we didn't score right at the end. Um, and yeah, Ganacho, obviously, what a talent. Who knows what the limit is for him? But we have to manage him well. Um, I'm sure Eric Ten Hag will as well. Keep him on the ground and. You'd, uh, I expect a lot more from him as we go forward. A lot more cameo appearances, more goals. Obviously, like, work go all his way all the time. He's a young player. Shit will happen, but, yeah, obviously he's got a lot about him. And, yeah, that puts us in fifth. Three points behind Spurs with the game in hand. So, top four, certainly on the cards. Um, we, we, it's not the halfway point, we said, but halfway point analysis. What, what grade are you giving us? B+. Plus. Yeah, I would I would go with a B. Um, yeah, fine. obviously some terrible start, terrible at the start. I mean, the thing is, if you took away those two ab- abominations of games at the start, put replace them with like normal game. Put if those two games happen somewhere in this run, we don't obviously lose both of them. Uh, I don't think we lose either of them actually. If you put them somewhere, in. maybe we lose one of them, but whatever. But we definitely don't lose both, and the season looks is a bit better then. Um, we also should have really won against Newcastle. I keep thinking about that Newcastle game, thinking we really should have won that game. Oh my god, it's it's such a killer because that's like that's two that's a four point swing essentially, right? Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's massive, and then that one still bugs me. But yeah, we're in touch and distance of the top four. That's all we can really ask for, especially after the start we made. Um, things are coming together. The spirit's good. Um, there's obviously some issues that we're going to talk about now, but overall, yeah, about B sounds about right. Also, one one good trait is we've not. Every time we've taken the lead, we've won the game this season, mm. which is quite a good little trait to have. Yeah, there's definitely some resilience in this team, like for sure. It's not; it doesn't doesn't feel as kind of. Yeah, we're not we're not yeah. throwing away games. The issue is comes when we we, we go behind. Um, the only times we've got points when we've gone behind is Everton, who scored early, and then Chelsea actually at the end. That was quite a lot of resilience there. But generally, when we go behind, that's kind of the game for us. Um, so we need to, we need to work on that, but. But yeah, we're building a good team. Uh, you would hope, have hope for... We've got a decent-ish run, actually, when we get back. I think we're playing Forest, Wolves and Bournemouth. So it's a, a quite a gentle start. Uh, that's before the League Cup game against Burnley. Before we talk about the Ronaldo stuff, let's just quickly talk about the League Cup game against Villa. Uh, 4-2, dreadful first half, brilliant second half. Uh, it, felt very, it felt very League Cup, though. The whole thing felt very Carabao. Uh, I don't think you would get that game in the league, and I, I can't tell you why. Uh, there was just some. There was an air of madness about it and shittery, like mm. that felt so league cup. But anyway, it was a good win, four uh, two, especially after we went behind. Um, again, good resilience to get back into the game. Thought Rashford was excellent. Uh, his goal was really good. Um, and once again, Ganache came on and just a, a beautiful assist for McTominay. Um, and yeah, another an assist for Bruno as well with Tyron Mings flying around the place. Uh, any quick thoughts from that that game? Uh, what a pass! <laughs> what a pass from Gardacho. That was keeper should be all over that. To be fair, <laughs> That's he, what I would he, say. he should come off the line. But it's to even have the if you never make the pass right, you don't have the chance. Um, yeah. So it like to even have that. And I thought to be fair, I thought that was a great finish by McTominay too uh, to get on the end of it. Um, you know who doesn't make that? Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo doesn't get there. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was it was a fun match. You know, it was like especially it was so funny because the first half was maybe the most boring forty five minutes you could ever imagine of a football match. Um, but the second half was just it, the entire like the entire forty five minutes was just completely mad. Um, yeah. So it was yeah. Like I think you're right. Like you you wouldn't get that in the Premier League or Champions League or Euro, like it just wouldn't be that chaotic, but because it's a cup match and because both teams like, it's kind of weird, right? It's like a, it's one of those where because it's a cup match, both teams are just trying to win. There's no like, Oh, we're happy with a draw here. We're happy with the point or, and neither team really felt afraid of losing. Like if you lose, it's not the biggest deal in the world. And I think that kind of contributed to it as well. Um, but yeah, um, we are through to the next round of the cup. We're playing Burnley. That is like three days after the World Cup final. So it'll be interesting to see who is even around for that game. Uh, Burnley also flying in the championship uh, top under Vincent Company. So that'll be a, a, a decent challenge at Old Trafford. But that's a long time away. Um, before then, we've got a World Cup, which we will talk about. But first, we'll talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and his wonderful interviews. Yep, you probably heard all about it by now. So I don't really need to recap. But in case you haven't, in case you live under a rock, 
Cristiano Ronaldo decide to buddy up with his best pair, Piers Morgan. By the way, like, if you're thinking, you know what, I need an interview. It says a lot about you that you pick Piers Morgan to be the, the guy <laughs> to interview you, really. I don't know who you pick instead, but definitely not Piers Morgan. But anyway, um, he's come out with some choice quotes. Obviously, this is against the club's, uh, not not cleared by the club, not this, not a club-sanctioned interview. Um, obviously, with the, with the content of the interview, you can see why he's uh, laid into, well, first, the big headline is that he has no, said he has no respect for Eric Ten Hag because Eric Ten Hag has no respect for him. Um, I think if you take if you take that out of the interview, it's bad, but I don't think it's as bad. I think as mm. soon as he starts slagging off the manager, then it's it's beyond reproach for me. Like, yeah, I mean that that's, that the, point, that's it's, the entire it's, problem it's, with it. Yeah, yeah, like because because okay, he rips the Glazers. Great, fantastic. We're all on board with that. I mean, from a club standpoint, that wouldn't like wouldn't fly. The fact that he's done an unsanctioned interview, not great. The fact that he is, even if it's true, even if we all know the training facilities aren't great, the jacuzzi's not great. I really want to see the state of this jacuzzi, by the way. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's, it's possible to win the Premier League without, you know, a new jacuzzi every couple of years? I mean, I don't think it is. You know, I think you need the you need you need high end jacuzzis <laughs> to win the Premier League. That's what they say at City. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great if he's like saying these things in public and saying the Glazers don't care about the club. From a club standpoint, from a fan standpoint, I don't think many people care other than the fact that he's going against clubs wishing to do this. Right. Uh, and it's not great. But the Ten Hag stuff really takes it way over the edge. And at that point, there's no way back for him. I mean, there's no way he can play for us again now, is there? He, I, and I don't think he's planning on it. I think that the entire no. interview is done so that he has to go. And I think, like, I'm not sure. Well, that's I, his whole motive, isn't it? Yes. Well, and I don't know the. I, I, I look. I'm not a lawyer. I and I definitely am not familiar with UK law or European law. But like, I think well, I was listening to uh, the United podcast that the Athletic has, and I think they were suggesting that if he did, like the the fact that he did go after the Glazers, that would potentially open up the possibility for United to terminate his contract. So I mean, that could be just the entire purpose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really care about the rest of it. But once you go after Ten Hag and what he's talking about, you know, respect doesn't respect me. So I don't. What are you talking about? Like you, this entire idea that the club has not respected Ronaldo or Ten Hag has not respected Ronaldo is quite frankly absurd. Um, you know, look, he he apparently had some issue with his daughter or something, so which is why he missed out on preseason. The club was okay with that, right? They didn't say anything. They didn't. I think the only thing Ten Hag said is, you know, basically that because he missed that part of the preseason, it was hard to, you know, he couldn't just throw him in and he needed time to build up his fitness and get, you know, that's fine. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. And he's played a lot. He's played a lot. And yeah, you can tell me that's because of injuries. And okay, but that's that's the manager's prerogative. And like, you know, I think it's funny. Because Ronaldo, like, there was a point in his career where no manager would ever drop him, right? You would never drop Ronaldo. But now he's at the point in his career where he actually has to fight for his spot because he's not that level anymore. He's not just automatically thrown into the team anymore. And he's kind of bristling at it, having to earn his keep, um, which I find funny. But... You know, like, if we're being, you know, then he's talking about, like, oh, I did this for the fans. The fans need to know all the, you know, all the terrible things that are happening inside the club. And it's like, you didn't tell us anything that we didn't already know. Like, there have already been many protests about, you know, the Glazers and how they've run things. And, you know, we knew that the state of the jacuzzi wasn't great. We knew all these things, right? We, we He didn't air anything. In this entire in this entire interview, at least from what what has been leaked out so far, that we didn't already know, uh, and then the, you know again like to go after Ten Hag, I just thought that was in such poor taste, uh, and quite frankly, I don't think it's just the supporters that 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 he would have lost there. I, I mean, I'm sure that you can still be friends with Ronaldo. I'm sure most of the many of the players in our squad are still friendly with him, but as far as a professional relationship, I mean, that's you know you. He may as well have. I mean, he 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 killed it, right? He buried himself there because I think it's obvious that everybody at the club and most of the players at the club are behind Ten Hag and backing Ten mm. Hag. Um, so 
for him to come out and say what he did, yeah, you're right. I, there is no way back for him. And quite, I mean, if we're being completely honest, that isn't necessarily the worst thing that I would have hoped for. I'm actually quite pleased no. about that. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. Like, you <laughs> should have done this interview. It's very, it's, it's, it's annoying that he said these sort of things about Ten Hag, but the end result is that he'll never play for us again. And that end result is quite good. Like, it's quite good that he'll be out in January as opposed to us thinking maybe he'll have to stay till the end of the summer. The fact that he's almost like 99% going to be gone in January and then we're going to probably have to buy a striker if the club has any sense about it, which, you know, they might not have any sense. But, I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty net positive thing. So I can't, I can't help but be kind of happy about it. Um, and look, I, you, you can't be... You, can't, you cannot, literally, you cannot just say you don't respect the manager and expect to stay around. He is obviously, he knows what he's doing. He wants to He wants to leave the club. He wants to leave in the summer. He wants to leave now. Fine. There's a better way to go about it, but if you've chosen this way, whatever. As long as he leaves, I don't really care. Um, I'm glad that he's named the Glazers. Like, yeah, the, I don't think the intentions are above board. I don't think he's that bothered. Uh, I think it's more oh, he just... Doesn't uh, he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. It's just a make good and more things to slag off but the fact that the fact that the glaziers name has been brought up with shit going on at club by the world's most famous footballer can't be a bad thing like Mm -hmm. i'll i'll happily take any criticism of the glaziers in an open forum fine with that um the stuff on ragnick is funny if not a bit unprofessional same with rooney like i mean it's just it's it's all it comes across a bit pathetic really and it's the rooney stuff is especially pathetic because it's like what are you even talking about? Are you I mean, just, are you bragging about sad. the fact that you... it's a bit sad? <laughs> are you, bra- like are you bragging? Child? Are you bragging that you're more attractive than Wayne Rooney? Like I don't know. That... <laughs> Rooney's hair transplant has done wonders for him. I think. Is it re- I was watching that Rooney documentary on Amazon. Like if you compare him now to him at 18, it's it's night and day, really. Yeah. Um, and I think to your point, like all the stuff he said. I mean, it it come it, it's very small, uh, and it's also like he he's like he's so mad at Rooney and Neville because he's acting like they owe him something. Like, mm. like okay, you can say, we talked about this in our in our chat, but it's like, yeah, maybe Rooney shouldn't be talking about United so much. But he didn't say anything that offensive about Ronaldo. He basically just said, like, he has to earn his place in the team. That's more or less what he said, that he he's not at that level anymore where he's just going to be granted a space like he has to actually earn his place in the team and keep it and take his chances and neville is literally a pundit like he he's and i don't think he's he we all have eyes nobody anybody that's watching these matches <coughs> and is walking away thinking oh yeah no ronaldo got to be in the team he's just giving him like that that is i mean i don't even know like you want people to be delusional i guess but like the fact of the matter is he went after two players who have been, I guess you could say, critical of him. And then he went out of his way to... critical of him personally. Just, right. Just professionally. Just football-wise, professionally, yeah. yeah. And then and then, and then he goes out of his way to be like, oh, yeah, Roy Keane, best captain I had, Rio Ferdinand, we were neighbors. And it's just like... So basically, if, you're, if you only say great, positive things about Ronaldo, you're wonderful. If you criticize him at all, then he's going to try to like bury you i don't know it just it, it's all nonsense it's just very very childish at the end of the day and i mean it's been, it's been badly managed by him i don't know what pr people are telling him but i don't i can't see how this was a good move uh before or after any time piers morgan's the icing on the cake of it as well um but yeah net result he'll be gone and i think you got to be happy about that um we always, we generally this season look better without him. He looks better like a finished property, um, and really, all this is just a response to him not being able to handle the fact that he's no longer a starter. It's probably him acting out the fact that he's no longer the footballer he was, and you know, time catches up with everyone, and time is caught up with him. The one weird thing from all of this that I keep thinking about is he was captain against Aston Villa. Yeah. So how how did that conversation go between Eric Ten Hag making him captain and him accepting the captaincy? I I don't get it. Like we, I, I want to know when he did this interview. Too. Bemused. I mean, he did it. Apparently, he did it after the Villa game uh, Thursday, I think. That's bizarre. Or Friday night or something. So but, he did it after. So after the League Cup game. Yep. After uh, after the League Cup game, apparently, which he was quote unquote ill for, and he did it after the Villa captaincy game. So the last time he played for United, he was the captain. At what point Ten Hag had to go and say, "You're captain tonight," 
I mean, surely he has respect for him if he's captaining him. And then, but it's it's baffling uh, weird behaviour from Ronaldo because who one, at one point does want to come on against City when we're losing 6-3 but ultimately doesn't want to come onto the pitch at other times as a sub either. He's left, Very he's left matches... He's left a match early twice now. One in preseason, one obviously the Spurs one time he'd match. finished. I've, I've, very, I mean, not great the first preseason. It's preseason. He'd he'd already played whatever, but it's still not great. Obviously not great. Leaving when you are have been asked to come on the pitch is terrible. Like absolutely terrible. Um, but yeah, Ten Hag still made him captain, and he still came out and said he has no respect for him. So yeah, ultimately, I think with most United fans at the moment, there's only going to be one winner out of. Ten Hag and Ronaldo. In fact, Ten Hag and any player, I think everyone's fully behind Ten Hag. I don't think anyone's going to side over players with Ten Hag over Ten Hag at the moment. The players don't have that goodwill in the bank that Ten Hag has as our new manager. So the question is, he goes in, Jan. Um, do you think United will buy a replacement, and who should it be? If he goes in January, I, I still kind of I, I don't think we'll buy a replacement. But um, if we were to buy a replacement, I would definitely like it to be. Ivan Tony, he'd be fun. Uh, I think, you know, uh, he's just the one that comes to mind because it feels like that's achievable in January. Mm. Um, I think he yeah, also, he... he's like so, he gives us an option to be more direct also, um, which I like. He's like physically, obviously you know that he can handle the physicality of the Premier League, all that type of stuff. He presses, I, I don't know, I just think like there's, it makes a lot of sense on paper uh, if that was the move that we made. But I, I really don't think we're going to do anything in January. I mean, it's a bit of an issue if we don't because we are so light on strikers and Martial is made of, well, cardboard. Um, but like I said, Tony might could be achievable, but it would cost a lot of money. Like to, to, to Brentford, he's definitely worth 70, 80 million pounds, whatever. Um, other options out there are Osman, Rafael Leao, um, but Osman, like, there's no chance he's leaving in January. There's no right? chance. Yeah. Leal, there's no chance. The only other name I could think of, I think, I believe Jonathan David's contract is out. At the so end you of the could season. sign him on a pre-contract. So, you, well, no, you just give him, give, give him some money for him because okay. they'll lose him for free otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that might be totally wrong that he's not out of contract. Uh, but that would be. But again, that's not a guaranteed thing. Like buying someone from the French league. To come here, even though I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of his. I actually, actually think he's a good player. But buying someone on a out of the French league to come be your number nine, bit of a risk, I think. Obviously, mm. Tony's a bit much more of a short thing. Um, actually, forget about that. Apparently, his contract ends in 2025. So what a load well, of bullshit that was. I think the other we one I've seen the is, whole thing out. Yeah, there's there's another one I've seen with Vlahovic, right? At Juventus. See, yeah. actually, that might be possible. Because Juventus, they're obviously out of Europe entirely, I think. Uh, and then they're financially, they're not in a great position. Um, they're not exactly getting great return on investment on uh, Pogba so far. Uh, the pro- the thing is, though, they're in third place right now in, in Serie A. Uh, that's a pretty tight race. They're on 31 points. Lazio is on 30. Inter is on 30. Atalanta, Roma are on 27. So that's like pretty jumbled up. I don't know if they would risk giving up Vlahovic. And to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how good Vlahovic even is. But he is a name that I've seen us linked with. And for all those reasons, like financial and all that stuff, I, I could see that happening. And it might be... Hmm. And look, they we know this last year. Last year, they sold Spurs, Kulosevsky, and Bentoncourt in January, which... You know, whatever I think of Spurs, I think both those players have been really good for them. I think Kulishevsky's, I love him. He's so much fun to watch. Um, but, like, they, so they have recently sold and done business in January. So I, I think that, that seems possible, I think. Mm. But really, what we all know is United will just loan an old person. Yes. Uh, so we'll get Igalo we'll pro- back in. Yeah, or Javier Hernandez, or is it Antonio Cassano knocking around? He sounds like he should. He's, he's got. He's, he's, he's due a time in England. Uh, or should we maybe, bring Bebe back? You know what? Probably, we'll probably loan Alvo, Alvaro Morata because he is continually linked with us. Is he so still? Why not? Is he even? Where is he? Where is he now? He's at Atletico Madrid, um, I believe. Would yeah. you take Let's it with, if they Madrid. were just like, yeah, we'll give you him on loan for? Yeah, I mean, better than nothing, isn't it? 
I'd I think take, I, I, I think I, I would I, do that. I, I would be fine yeah, with that. Better than nothing. Yeah. Because ultimately, I'm I'm just I'm very concerned going into the back end of the season with just Antonio Martial. Antonio Martial. That's, I like Jokin it. Just going to be better if it was called Antonio Martial. Should we just buy Michaela Antonio? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, going into the back end of the season with Martial and, and Rashford as our two striking options is it doesn't doesn't really speak to me. So I do think we'll need to reinforce, but I don't think the club will want to send money, spend money to do it. Um, mm. But we'll see. It's a long time away. Before that, there's a big fat tournament called the World Cup, and after this break, we'll just talk a bit about it. Welcome back. So the World Cup starts next Sunday in Qatar. Qatar versus Ecuador is the first game. Ashwin, how excited are you for the World Cup? I'm... I'm definitely excited to watch, but it just feels weird, right? I mean, there's like mm. obviously all the circumstances around Qatar getting the World Cup and how the stadiums are built and all that is there. And then it's just like it's weird because it doesn't feel like there's any build up to this, right? Because it's just like, okay, league ended, league kind of took a break after Sunday, and now in a week's time, we're going to be playing World Cup matches. It just doesn't feel like there's build up, but I am excited. I think it'll be. I I wonder if there'll be it'll be more random um than usual just because it is in the middle of the season and there hasn't been much ramp up time um you know it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I am excited because we have group B is a very interesting group uh and I'm excited to watch the group B matches Yeah I mean I the World Cup is my favorite thing in sport in football in anything I love the World Cup I think it's brilliant um try to consume it as much as possible i'll be doing the same the circumstances between behind qatar getting the world cup are dreadful the circumstances going on in qatar since the world cup are even worse however i don't this basically this world cup should never have happened right mm. never have happened um it should have been stopped should they should never have got it in the first place and once they did got it it should have been stopped a long time ago that has not happened and I don't feel like the incompetency of other people should stop me from enjoying what is my favorite competition. Um, that's kind of where I, I, I'm not boycotting it. I will be watching it. I can understand why people would want to boycott it. Um, I just don't see what boycotting achieves at this point. It's going to happen. It's going to be on TV. It's not going to stop. Um, but if you are boycotting it, more play to you like fair enough um but yeah i'll be i will be watching and i, I will enjoy it and I, it will be interesting actually you don't get world cups we've never had a world cup like this uh, where players technically should be in their peak of form like everyone should be at full fitness there shouldn't be any slow betting in periods everyone should be raring to go so that'll be interesting um england's group with iran usa and wales is an interesting group uh england going in on poor form um We'll, we'll concentrate on that. We've got an American and English person here, uh, so we might as well start there. So how do you feel about the USMNT's chances for the tournament? I assume uh, he's born in America, by the way. <laughs> I don't feel great about it. I didn't really like the, the squad they picked. Uh, I thought that they should have taken Pepe, who's been very good for them. I'm not sure why he didn't go. So, yeah, I mean, our center halves are a disaster. Uh, big, big Tim Ream's not there, is he? No, he is. He's there. Okay, so Tim Ream oh. is there, but the but it's like the other center halves at our disposal are Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, I think he was what Spurs legend Cameron Carter Vickers. <laughs> it's just it's it's just there's not the the defense is a disaster, uh, and then um, you know the forward line is okay, but yeah, I mean I think Pepe should have gone. I can't believe he's not in the squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the the midfield is probably the best part of this team, uh, with with Aronson, Tyler Adams, and uh, Eunice Musa who plays in Valencia, Weston McKinney. So that that part of the team is pretty good. But like, I don't particularly love this team. I would just be happy to get out of the group. But I think England are favorites for sure. And then, uh, I, look, Wales are is it it's it. I'm almost sure that Gareth Bale is going to score in the 19th minute of extra time to send us <laughs> out in the group stage um, because that's just what he does. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't particularly love the state of this team going into this tournament. 
and um, I'm not confident in Burhalter either. So we'll see. Um, but I don't think anybody cares that much about USMNT that's listening to this podcast. <laughs> True. Uh, they might care <laughs> about England. Um, Gareth Southgate picked the squad. I'm actually, I'm, I'm pre- I was pretty okay with the squad. Uh, there's a couple of things like Tony's left out. Uh, Possibly, I mean, I would, I would take Ivan Tony. I think he's great. But I would take him, but he took Wilson, so it's not like it's. He, I mean, ultimately, he, you are picking the player who's not going to play, right? Or maybe play like ten minutes at the end of the game because yeah, Kane, Kane will Kane never is gonna play. Yeah, Kane yeah, Kane's going to play every single second of every single game. And if Kane is injured, I don't think it matters if you've got Wilson or Tony up front. It's a big problem for England. Um, but I think I probably would prefer that person to be Tony, but I do rate Callum Wilson. I rate him a lot. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. And the other one was, I might have taken James Ward-Prowse instead of Conor Gallagher, but again, you're just picking a a person to sit on the bench. Oh, I thought Um, you were going to say Sancho, because I know you're a huge fan of his. Oh yeah. (laughs) Travesty that Sancho's missed out. Um, So squad, fine. Um, Our form going in is quite poor. Um, Obviously, there's question marks at the set at the back. Um, is James in the team? Of... Is Reese James in the team? No, Reese James is not so, there. So... Um, so it probably right back will be Trippier, who Trippier, to be fair, has been excellent this season so far. Um, I don't. He won't start Trent Alexander Arnold over Trippier. He loves Trippier, and I, to be fair, Trippier is a good player. Good free kicks, I, good corners. Yeah, I think Trippier is also. Delivery. Yeah, he, he's been good for England. He scored in what the. He scored in the semi-final a few years ago, right? In the World Cup, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, in the World Cup, he said. And then we got Luke Shaw on the at left back, uh, hitting form at the right time, obviously, because you know that's what Luke Shaw does. His form for World Cups and Euros. Um, so I, I mean, the centre back's a bit of a problem. You have got Stones, and then who's who sits alongside him? If it's Maguire, if it's Dyer, if it's Cody, it's never great. Could it be three at the back? But then it's a bit. Is Walker a there? Bit, Walker is there, uh, coming back from fitness. So, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, we know we know Southgate. Southgate did this with Maguire, right? Where he like sat the first match, but then he played the rest of the Euros. I think Walker will. It'll be the same thing. It'll be the same thing. What What I can see him doing is starting the all, pretty much all the group games having a back four. Uh, Iran, USA, and Wales because they're games we expect to dominate. But then I think he'll move to a back five after that, perhaps, especially once he realizes that Sterling's not been great and he has to take Sterling out the team. Um, I think he'll do that for uh, another defender. I can see that happening. Um, I, I'm worried about Sterling. Sterling looks bad. Like he does not. He's been. He, he's, he, he has always turned up for England. Apparently, even though I'm not even sure that I. I do not. I'm not a big fan of Sterling. I thought even in the Euros he wasn't great, and then yeah, a couple so, of yeah. dives and stuff, and kind of got by. Um, I am. I think he will come out the the team after he'll start. I'm not sure. I'm not, he'll be in the, the, the 11 that starts the tournament, but if England get anywhere, I don't think he'll be in the 11 that ends the tournament or are whatever you, game you, England go out in. Are you picking Rashford uh, over him? Maybe, but then I think Rashford would be good off the bench. I can see him picking Grealish over him. I can see him picking Foden over him. I can see him picking, um, not Saka. Saka's going to be on the right. Um, but yeah, Rashford maybe as well. Um, it just depends on the formation and what he does. Southgate, the thing is Southgate's inclination is to put the handbrake on. So at what point will we just go to a three at the back uh, and just have Kane and one over up top with a bit of a, cl- a clogger, cl- clogging midfield? Um, we'll see. I I do think we'll get out of the groups. The actual the game I'm worried about is the U- uh, is is the Wales game, obviously. Um, just for the rival there, I think I think we'll hammer USA. <laughs> That's the one game I'm not worried about. I feel like the Iran game they'll be up for it and we'll squeak by, but I think the USA game will just be a breeze. Um, and then the Wales game could be a bit tricky, but. Uh, I see it's getting out of the groups, and then I'm not. Once we come up against a quality team, I think I think that's where it might it might all fall apart. Well, I will say though, like I don't the Europe the European teams they seem weaker. They they don't seem like the you know no Fr- France is not they don't have Conte, which is a massive problem. Or Pogba, yeah. Or but that's you know that's fine. We everybody's used to that. Uh, Germany is not their team isn't particularly strong. Italy is not in the World Cup. Uh, Portugal, it's Spain. It's yeah. Spain and Portugal, really. But Portugal have the Ronaldo problem, yeah. and which Sp- they will find and out Spain's soon. Spain's squad is just, oh my god, it's awful. I, I, th- I, I quite fancy Spain for a bit of a run in this tournament, just because they play. In, they'll play in the Spain way. Everyone will play in. Everyone knows their job when they come mm. f- to play for Spain, and it's just regimented football. Even at the Euros, their squad didn't look incredible on paper or anything. But then they were. Yeah, one of the better teams at the Euros. He did a good job with that. Uh, and Enrique's a good manager, so I can I can see them doing a decent job. They are a bit light up front, but they've got some talented players in the squad. They've got Gabi Fe- and Pedri and whatever. Fe- feels um, like I feel I think I think it's going to be Brazil or Argentina. 
Um, I mean, you'd think that looking at that, looking at that Brazil squad, it is mad. Uh, we've got four players in that Brazil squad, by the way. Uh, Telez, who still is our player, uh, lest we forget, <laughs> Casemiro, Fred, and Anthony. So a win for Brazil is a win for United. Let's not forget that. I mean, we could have three three starters, actually. Um, I think Anthony uh, could start, and then Fred and Casemiro definitely start. No, apparently Fred has not been starting lately, apparently. Oh, really? Uh, I'm not sure for who. That that was what I heard, but I'm not. I'm no Brazil expert. But I think they'll all get game time. It. We'll, yeah, we'll see yeah. them all on the pitch. Um, so I, it's hard to look past either of them or Argentina, really. Uh, but you never know with the World Cup. Anything could happen, I guess. Um, although, having said that, generally, the, the best team has won it over the last few years. Mm. Uh, Spain were definitely the best team in 2010. They won it. I think Germany were the best team after that. They won it. Who yeah. won? Yeah, and then France were the best team last time around. They won it. So generally, the best team do somehow find a time to win. So we'll see. Who's, who's, who are you predicting, though? Is it, is, is it Brazil for you? Yeah, I'll take Brazil. Yeah, it's hard to look past them. Uh, I did. I, I have a feeling. I do have a cheeky feeling about Spain. Um, obviously, England can bring it home, obviously. you know. Is it coming home? I guess that's the real question, right? I mean, the coming home meter is on about 5 <laughs> out of 10 at the moment. We'll, we'll check back in with the coming home meter as the weeks progress. Um, the other team, I, I mean, D- Denmark could do all right, you know. I like I them. Like, I, I, think, I, I think they're going to go that. far. I think they're going to go far. Yeah. They've got, they're a good unit, um, and obviously we've got our own Christian Eriksen being there. To be honest, if he lifted the World Cup at the end, I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at that either. Yeah. Uh, but it will be good. Um, I'm worried about the atmosphere, um, generally, like events in that end of the world haven't had the best of atmospheres. Like, you watch the boxing in Saudi, and it's always a bit flat. Mm. So you do wonder what the World Cup would be like for traveling fans, and I'm I'm not sure that for the traveling fan, this will be the best World Cup ever. Um, I hope it. I hope the World Cup shines a light on the shit that's going on over there, um, in terms of slavery and not slavery. Well, basically slavery. Yeah. Let's be honest, modern day slavery is, and is Qatar a dry um, country? It is, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I believe. I, I and, imagine um, the atmosphere will be pretty flat then. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> LG, LGBTQ rights as well, and right, right. all that stuff. Like, it's just not the best place to have a tournament, but it is going to be there, and yeah, we will be watching. If you are watching too, you can probably check, tune into us during the World Cup. We will probably get podcasts out, checking on how our guys are doing. Um, and you just have you just have to hope that you just want nothing serious to happen. That that's really like. The main thing for this World Cup, you don't want anybody, you know, you just want it to go through and it just be about the matches and that's it. And everything I th- comes see, out I think I fun. think it will. I think I think they'll Qatar are pretty much aware that there's the world spotlights on them. They won't do anything yeah. dumb. Yeah. Um. For, for for I mean, for better or worse, kind of thing. It's kind of hiding their hiding their shit. But um, you, I what I hope is when I tune into BBC and ITV to watch these games, I get to see the games, but I also get to see some actual. Journalist journalism on Qatar. I remember when the South Africa World Cup happened, um, and that was one close to me. Obviously, being part South African, there was a lot of criticism at the time because that was a lot of money spent by South Africa that could have gone into a lot of other things. There's a country with poor infrastructure, a lot of poverty. Um, I, I went there a few months ago, and the trains aren't even running now. Um, the trains barely run anyway, and you've got stadiums there that are just unusable. Uh, mm. They just sit there and they do nothing. Um, looked brilliant at the time, brilliant in 2010, but now they don't do anything. There's only a handful of games that actually do things. Um, and you just think, could that money have been a lot spent a lot better? And I remember at the time BBC actually did some actual journalism when they were out there, like talking to local people about how, what they thought about the World Cup, what, what the money should have been doing instead. I mean, yeah, I've got family there who obviously loved the World Cup being there and it was a great time. And they said it was like probably the best time their country's had and actually... For a country that has like high crime rate, again, like nothing bad happened during the World Cup because South Africa were really on it in terms of like keeping that crime rate a bit down and stuff like that. Obviously, it did happen, but not 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 in as larger waves as it could have done. Um, so I do hope there's some actual journalism from the BBC and ITV while we're out there, and then I also hope that the football's quite good as well. Mm. Um, we will try and talk about the World Cup. Obviously, I, we, we're not journalists ourselves, so we'll probably just stick to the football, but um, I'm sure you have all your own views on the World Cup as well. Feel free to share them with us on Twitter. Um, and we know Nick Nick from our parish has some strong views on the World Cup as well, so we might try to get Nick back on and have a bit of a debate about World cup things. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a lot of players in action anyway, so I think it's uh, 16 United players at the World Cup. Yeah. Yep. So um, basically, just at home, there's Lindelof and uh, 
who was it? Lindelof and McTominay and a bunch of kids, basically. And De Gea. Just child mining a bunch of children. Um, so, yeah, that's it for this United Island. Have you got anything else you want to say? Uh, oh, well, before we go, where, where, where do you think USA will finish? Uh, I think USA... I think they go out of the group stage, to be honest. Is there a buzz in... What, what is, is there a buzz in the US for it? Does anyone care? Yeah, on the there, there's, there's buzz for it, but I think uh, it's it's like weird because this is this is like the time in the U.S. where literally every there's college football, there's NFL, there's NBA. It's all like happening right now. Um, so the thing with the World Cup usually is like it's in the summer where the only sport going on is baseball. So it's like it's very easy to kind of get everybody focused on it. Um, but that's not the case right now, so it's a little bit weird, but there is buzz for it. And the games are at decent times, aren't they, at least, as well, so that yeah. probably will help. Just quickly before we go, just a reminder that today's podcast is brought to you by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can enter prize draws to win great merchandise, great United memorabilia. It's a great site. You can win many great prizes. Uh, and if you go there and use the code UH10, that's UH10, you get 10% off when you use it. So yeah, get to yourself to footballprizes.co you can support the pod. And also please remember to leave us a five star review on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for United Hour for today. Uh, we'll be back probably next week with some World Cup chat, see how England are doing, see how other nations are getting on as well, see how the United players are doing. Uh, but until then, cheers Ashwin. Cheers. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.